have a Savior to celebrate. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Well, just for 20 seconds, just in your own words, just express your thanks and your celebration for our Savior this morning. Jesus, we love you. God, we worship you in this place. Our hearts are set on you, God. Our vision, our focus is placed on you, Jesus. Author and perfecter of our faith. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We worship you. We worship you. Sometimes it just helps to say these words. Just say it out loud. I know some of you may be the quiet type, but if you can't just push through just a, a, a hair of, of discomfort this morning and just say it out loud with your tongue, with your mouth. Say, God, God is good. Yeah. He is good. Amen. And I know we know that and we believe that in our hearts, but Hallelujah. sometimes whenever we just get it out of our mouth, it yeah. just reminds our spirit that God is still good. Amen. He is still on his throne. He's still you, worthy Jesus. of praise. Jesus, we love you. Yes. God, we thank you for the peace yes. that you give. Hallelujah. Thank you for the joy that you bring. Lord, you thank you that great. you are worthy of celebration in this house here today. In Jesus' name, someone say amen. Amen, amen. You may be seated this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Wow. Great are you. Really been looking forward to the Word of God this morning. I believe that it's a uh, an appropriate time for for what I, I believe He's put on my heart to share with you today. If you would turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter eight, Mark chapter eight, and welcome to Calvary Tabernacle. We've got the the faithful and the faith field here today, and I believe God has, has a word for us, a message for us in this time, uh, not even just as a whole. I know right now our, our mindset is more focused on our community, on our country, but I believe that God has something he wants to speak to you as an individual today. Amen? Come on, it's going to be good. Just kind of shake your neighbor right there beside you and say, let's get ready. Yes. Mark chapter 8. By the way, I'm, I'm Sam. I'm the youth pastor here. I'm, I'm uh, always grateful that Pastor Billy gives me the opportunity to, uh, to share his podium uh, once a month. And uh, so if you come on a normal Sunday, it won't be me here. It'll be Pastor Billy. Uh, but this is the third Sunday. It's the day, that we, uh, the day of the month that we set aside every third Sunday where we have all of our kids, all of our youth, all of our congregation all together in one place. Um, and so I'm, I'm excited to be here and to share with you what God has put on my heart today. Today I want to talk about the idea or the subject of submission. Submission. And the title of today's message is this, a scepter or a spade? A scepter or a spade? And I got I to give just a little bit of a foundation for, for where we're going with this. So uh, back in ancient Israel... Uh, which is whenever we read the Old Testament, the New Testament, uh, we're talking about this time. Uh, back in that time, whenever a king was on his throne, and whenever he picked up the royal kingly scepter, it meant that something was about to change. Something in the kingdom 
was about to take place. Whenever the king was holding the scepter, whatever proceeded out of his mouth then became law. And no one in the kingdom denied the king of what he would speak while he was holding the scepter. And then we have the spade. In my view, it's, it's almost the opposite of a scepter. There's, there's no real power. In fact, whenever you're holding the spade, people probably might even think a little bit less of you because that requires you to, to get down a little bit lower and to, to make a little bit of a mess and, and get a little bit dirty as you work. And so we've got the king sitting on his throne with the scepter, and then you've got the servant on his knees in the ground in the dirt with the spade. And today, the message I believe that God wants to speak to us today is that eternity belongs to those that are holding the spade. Eternity belongs to those that are holding the spade. And I want to show you what I mean. In Mark chapter 8, verse 27 through 38, I'm sorry, through 38. Five. The wonderful story. It says Jesus and his disciples, they left Galilee and they went up to the village near Caesarea Philippi. And as they were walking along, he asked, Jesus asked his disciples, Who do people say I am? Well, they replied, Some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're Elijah, and others say that you're one of the other prophets. And then Jesus asked them, but who do you say I am? Peter replied, you are the Messiah. But Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. And then Jesus began to tell them that the man, the son of man must suffer many terrible things and be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but three days later he would rise from the dead. Someone say amen to that. Come on. And as he talked about this openly, someone say openly. As he talked about this openly with his disciples, Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Oh, Peter. Good old Peter. Jesus turned around and he looked at his disciples, and then he reprimanded Peter a pretty heated debate it sounds like and he says these words he says get away from me satan Woo! <laughs> i think a lot of times we, we look at jesus through the, like what, what i call google jesus you know just that skinny face you know ribs poking out uh you know frail you know just this somber look on his face just A lot of times I think that's, that's kind of our mentality of Jesus. But imagine him looking you square in the eyes and saying, get away from me, Satan. Wow, that paints a, a different picture uh, of him. He's, he's come on, y'all, he's fierce. He's, man, I, I don't know. Uh, anyways, he goes on to say, you are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. And then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, that's a capital G, capital N, the gospel, you will save it. You will save it. We're talking about submission this morning. And... 
most of the time whenever people hear the word submission, there's a negative connotation going on in your mind. Because we've used submission as being weak or vulnerable. But can I tell you this morning, submission is the way of the kingdom of God. It is the way of the kingdom. In fact, that's point number one this morning. Submission is the way of the kingdom of God. And I love that Jesus displayed a life of submission so wonderfully, so beautifully. And I like this, this story. I, I just want to spend the, the rest of this morning just breaking apart what we've just read. Jesus, he's walking along with his disciples, and he asked them, he said, who do people say that I am? And most of the time when someone asks, hey, wh what do they say? What do they say about me? What did they say? Most of the time it's because people tend to take stock in what other people believe about them. But Jesus, that's not why he's asking them this question. In fact, we read just a moment ago that he goes on to say that he's going to suffer many terrible things. People are going to reject him. He will be assassinated and three days later rise. He's not worried about what people think. And that's why Peter had to kind of pull him aside. Jesus, come here. Let me, let me say something. Jesus wasn't worried about it. So why was he asking the question? I believe it's because he wanted the disciples to process in their minds the difference about what the world thought of him and what they should think of him. Because Jesus is walking around the disciples, they have been with Jesus. Jesus just fed over 4,000 people in a miraculous way. This is a completely different event than the 5,000 plus that he fed. A whole nother event, it's, it's, Jesus is it's good, he's just double good. And they've, they've seen him do miracles and they've seen the way that he teaches and the way that people love him and, and follow him and, and now He's saying that he's got to suffer, that he's got to be rejected. And, and Peter's thinking, wait a second, something's not quite right about this. But I love this because Jesus displayed a life of submission. It's the way of the kingdom of God. The Bible, Jesus said, I must suffer many terrible things. He said, I must I mean, he, he could have said, I'm choosing to, but I love how he used that word, I must. It's something I must do. I must lay down my life. I must submit because it's the way of the kingdom of God. It's been that way from the very beginning. We look at uh, chapters like Ephesians 5 where it says, wives, be submissive to your husbands and everything. And, and in today's culture and society, most women are like, apparently... Whenever Paul was writing Ephesians, he never met my husband. But sometimes it's hard to be submissive. And we think, I ain't submitting to no, ain't nobody telling me what to do. Have, have you ever had that attitude? Have you ever seen someone with that attitude? But if we're all being honest, that's the attitude we all tend to adopt. And in doing that, what we're saying is that give, give me my scepter. Give me my scepter. I want to be the ruler of my own life. I want to be in charge of my own decision making. I want to go by my rules. I don't want anybody else telling me what to do. Give me the scepter. And that's our mentality a lot of times. And Jesus is saying this, uh, and, and even as he's saying this, Peter's like, wait, 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 just wait, just wait a second, Jesus. Wait, hang on. I can just imagine. So Jesus and his disciples are just talking. It says Jesus openly told his disciples that he must suffer many things. And there's people around them. It's not a closed-door meeting. It's not hush-hush like, hey, guys, by the way, uh, I'm going to have to suffer a lot of things. Coming up. No, he's just walking around with the disciples. People all around him like, oh, guys, by the way, uh, people are going to reject me. 
and uh, they're going to say harsh things about me. They're not going to want me. They're not going to like me. Oh, and uh, by the way, they're going to assassinate me. I can imagine what his followers are thinking, like, wait a second. Oh, wow. I can imagine that's why Peter's like, hey, Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> what, what did you say? Okay, come here, come here, come here. Uh, Jesus, did you know that whenever you say these things, it's, it's really not helping your, your, your kingdom campaign here, you know, like, these potential voters out here, you know, you better, you better watch what you say. You better be careful. You don't want to say anything that's going to upset or offend anybody. And, and they're not going to want to follow someone who thinks he's going to be assassinated. Like, Jesus, you got to stop saying this. And I love Jesus' response because it's so strong. It's so straightforward. It's a wake-up call for Peter. He looks at Peter square in the eyes. He says, get away from me, Satan. And I've, I've read that so many times and thought, Jesus, that's kind of mean. That's mean-hearted. I thought you were kind and loving, and you call him Peter Satan? I've always thought, you know, why would he do that? Like, that's not the Jesus they taught me about in Sunday school. Like, what's going on here? Is this the same? Like, is, are there two? What's? I love it. Jesus isn't even speaking to Peter. He's speaking to the unsubmissive heart that Peter had. He said that, he was telling his disciples, listen, I must. I must. And Peter's saying, wait a second, no, no, no. And Jesus is like, hey, listen, you need to get behind me. You need to get away. An unsubmissive heart has no place in the king. Ouch! An unsubmissive heart has no place in the kingdom of God. An unsubmissive heart is just a roadblock for the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, hey, listen, you're not going to be up in the way of what God is wanting to try to do. If that's going to be your heart, you need to move out of the way. But I want you to think about this. Peter left his job to follow Jesus. Peter left his paycheck to follow Jesus. Jesus comes up and he says, hey, y'all, follow me. And they're just like, And I look at that, I'm like, wow, what faith to, I mean, just meet someone. And he's like, follow me. And you're just like, I don't know you, but all right, let's go. Where are we going? What are we going to do? And I think about that, I'm like, whoa. And then Jesus is like, get behind me, Satan. I'm like, whoa, what's really going on here? And I believe this is what God is wanting to say. You can live a submissive Christian life and still not have a submissive you can live a submissive life. You can say, Jesus, I want you to feel every part of my life. I want you to be around every part of my life. I'm a teacher. I'm an accountant. I'm an electrical engineer. And I want you to feel every part of my life. And this is who I am. And this is what I want you to do. And Jesus is like, listen, I can't just have your life. I've got to have your heart too. And so Peter, he had given his life in submission, but he was still yet, he's still yet to learn that God wants a submissive heart. He wants a submissive heart. It's the way of the kingdom of God. I preached a couple of weeks ago on, uh, I believe it's 1 Peter chapter 3. Uh, we were in a series about relationships in the youth and so we were talking about husbands and wives and marriage and, and those kind of things. And, and I love the way that Peter, whenever he writes, I love the way he spoke to the women whenever he was, you know, 
telling them, you know, wives, be submissive to your husbands. And I think a lot of times we, we look at that and we get the, the wrong idea that, that all women should submit to all men. Well, he never said, he said, wives, submit to your husbands. And uh, which that's, that's a whole other topic, not for today. But. And he, he goes on into detail. And he talks about the women in the Old Testament and how beautiful they were. And he's, he was saying that their beauty doesn't come from their outward appearance. Their beauty came from a submissive heart. And he goes on to say that, uh, in not these exact words, but he goes on to say that a submissive heart is trust in God. And whenever we don't have a submissive heart, what we're saying is, God, I only trust you to this extent, but I, I don't know if you will come through in this area. The church, submission, the way of the kingdom of God been that way from the very beginning. What did God do whenever he created Adam? What did he do? He gave him a responsibility. What was that responsibility? It was to cultivate and keep the garden. You know what God gave Adam? He didn't just go out, hey, Adam, you're the only man in the world here. I doth thee serve kings a lot. No, he said, hey, start digging up the ground. Start tilling the soil. Start caring and pruning on the trees. Start planting seeds and, and care for what I've given you. It was God's idea from the very beginning that we would be a people that have submission ingrained in our lifestyles, ingrained even more than that into our hearts. Someone say, I can do that. Look at the person say, I can do that. Submission was from the very beginning. And even after that, God made all creation be submissive to man. He said, uh, fill the earth. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky and the animals that scurry along the ground. In other words, they will be submissive to you. He was teaching Adam to be submissive to him, and he was teaching that creation should be a, a whole organism of submission. Point number two, look at your neighbor right there. Look at him with a, with a serious face. Don't laugh at him because that will ruin the moment. Submission is freedom. Just say submission if you laugh, you're out, and you got to sit on the back seat. Just kidding. Y'all, I'm sorry. I've got the, the dad joke, the whole dad vibe going on. Some of y'all are just like, really, this ain't working. Like, what are you even doing? But submission is freedom. See, Peter was living a submitted life, but he didn't have a submitted heart. But whenever he learned on down the road, even after he denied Jesus three times, what he learned was that I have to have more than just a submitted lifestyle. I have to have a submitted heart to God. And tradition or, or books from Christian tradition say that Peter was crucified upside down. He ended up dying for the very person that he put his heart his trust into. He ended up dying a death like Jesus except upside down because he had learned what it meant to have a submissive heart. And he was submitted to Jesus even up until his cross. It's incredible, church. It's incredible. See, the disciples, they were hoping for Jesus to free them from an oppressive physical government. 
But Jesus came to free them from so much more. The disciples, they were coming to Jesus. Hey, Jesus, listen. If you hold this, people will listen to you. If you say this, people will follow you. If you do this, people will put you up on the pedestal and you will become king. The Bible even tells us that there was a point in time where people were ready to force Jesus to be their king. They would say, Jesus, no, you better take this. You better hold on to this. You better grab this. And I love Jesus' example and his lifestyle. He just ran as far away from it as he could possibly get. He's like, no, don't give me that. Give me this. I will get down. What does he do with the disciples in the upper room? He, he gets down and he washes their feet. And, the, and Peter's like, Jesus, you will never wash my feet. And Jesus said, unless you let me be submissive in this moment, then you will never be able to submit your heart either. Peter's like, listen, wash my feet, wash my head, give me a whole bath if you got to. And Jesus is like, no, 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 listen. He, he, it was a whole different message he had to speak to Peter at that moment. But Jesus lived a life of submission. He lived a life of submission to the Father. And it was because he was obedient to God on the cross that it brought eternal freedom to everyone who believed. See, we look at submission as being weak, vulnerable. But in the kingdom of God, submission is powerful. Submission is effective. And if we would learn to submit our hearts to God, we're going to see eternal things start growing in our lives. What happens whenever you go outside? Has anybody here ever gardened before? Plant vegetables? All right. Awesome. Um, I'm terrible at gardening. (laughs) Uh, I don't know how, I mean, it seems pretty easy. You dig your hole, you put your seed in, you cover it up, and then you water it, and then you just watch it. But for some reason, it doesn't work for me. I don't know. I just <laughs> I haven't mastered the art of, of uh, gardening yet. But Jesus, as he's teaching this to his disciples in Mark chapter 8, he says this, any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. Church, what happens? I, I know that we want to feel, I, I'm, I'm a planner. I like to know when things are going to happen. I like to things out. I like to have a budget. I like to, to have an idea of what's going to happen. If, if you've been around me for very long, then you know pretty well that I'm a planner, and if it's not in the plan, it's probably not going to happen for me, because uh, I've already got something else planned, right? Well, I love what Jesus says. If, if you try to hold on to your life, if you try to call all of the shots, if you try to to stick with what you think you know, you will lose it. Because what happens whenever a relationship starts to fall apart and you can't mend it? What happens when you, I'll just be real for a minute. What happens whenever your child gets sick and you don't have the cure? You don't know what to do. What happens whenever you've been trying to have a baby for years and nothing seems to work. And you're holding on to your life thinking that if I just do things my way, then, then this is going to be great. And, and Jesus is saying, listen, you can do things your way all you want, but when life comes, it's just going to take it from you. 
you're going to lose it. What happens when the coronavirus strikes? People buy all the toilet paper. And you're looking at yourself, and you're like, man, we've got three rolls left. I don't know what we're going to do. And you go to Walmart, and sure enough, they're sold out. And then you go to Dollar General because you hear there might be some there, and there's four packs left. So you grab one, trying to be nice for the other people that are in your situation. And you take your one pack to the cash register and you lay it there, and you you have to look the cashier in the eye and be like, "Listen, I'm not stockpiling. Like, I literally, we had three rolls left. I've got two kids and a wife, and and the cashier's like, beep, beep. That's what everyone's saying, bro. I'm not lying. That's what he said to me. Uh, figuratively, you know. I, I don't know. It's a I don't know. If, you know. But what happens whenever stuff happens outside of your control and you're holding on to the scepter still and all of a sudden life comes and rips it away and now you're just like, I don't even, I don't know what, I don't know where I'm at, I don't know what to do, I don't know what, what happened. Someone say, eternity belongs to the one holding the Say it with me. Eternity belongs to the one holding the spade. Because Jesus tells them, if you try to hold on to your life, you will lose it. But those who give their life away will save it. Those who give their life away will save it. And whenever I was reading that this last week, I, I, I thought of a farmer. And I thought of, of seed, and whenever a farmer goes out and he, he tills up the ground and he places the seed in the ground, to him, the seed looks dead. And if a seed grows, for a seed to grow, it first has to die. And then, after the farmer lays out the seed, what does he got to do? He's got to cover it up. He's got to bury it. He's got to lose it and now he can look at the ground all he wants but unless he goes through there and pulls through every grain of sand it's not likely he's going to find many of the seeds that he planted you have to give it away you have to bury it this is the idea that Jesus is giving them those who hold on to their life will lose it but those who give it away will save it what happens to a seed after it's dead and buried and if your name isn't Sam Wisdom it grows. It, someone say it. It grows. It grows. Jesus is telling them this. If you try to hold on, if you have that unsubmissive heart, you will lose your life. But if you learn how to submit yourself in order to plant a seed, you've got to get down low. In order to cultivate and tend, tend the ground, you have to get a little bit dirty. You have to get down where the ground is. That's, I, I didn't even say this. It probably would have helped if I had said this in at the beginning. But that's what submission means. It means to come under. To come under. And so whenever Jesus submitted his life, he came under in obedience to God. And he was also buried under the ground. And what happened after that? Life. Everlasting life happened after that. Eternal life. 
began after that. And Jesus got up out of the ground and that seed that was dead and buried grew and became life for all mankind. But it only happened after he submitted himself, after he came under, after he took on what the word submission means. Jesus submitted himself to death. I want to read this verse of scripture. And I love this. It's, it's so fitting for this time that we're in right now where fear is, is trying to run rampant in our world. It's Psalms chapter 46, verse 1 through 3. It says, God is our refuge and strength. In order to be in a refuge, you have to come under it. You've got to come under to be in refuge. God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So, we will not fear when earthquakes come and when the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. I love this. And it's so appropriate and so fitting for right now. This is what it's saying. You know what? If I'm going to live a submitted life to God, I've got to let go of the scepter. I've got to pick up the spade. I've got to start digging. I've got to bury myself in Christ. Because whenever I bury in my, myself in Christ, guess what? The earthquakes can come. The mountains can tremble and fall into the sea. Let the waters rage. Let the waters foam. Let the oceans take it. Guess, guess what? I'm hidden in Christ. I'm hidden in Christ. Come on, church. If you're holding... Mm. I love this. If you're holding the scepter, you're the king, you're on top of the throne. Whenever the waters rage, there's nothing above you to protect you. But whenever you choose to have a submissive heart and bury yourself in Christ, now whenever these things come, you're covered. And whenever these things come at you, you're able to look at it and say, let it happen. Let it come. Let it try to do its thing. It's not going to bother me. Why? Because I'm just a gardener. If this problem wants to come, it's going to have to take it up with someone up a little bit higher than me. It's going to have to take up its problem with the person holding the scepter. And I gave my scepter to King Jesus up there. I'm just the gardener. You just you bring it on into me all you want. You can try your best hand at me. I'm not affected because I'm buried in Christ. Come on, church. Wow, God is good. God is good. See, submission, a lot of times, it can look like death. It can look like you're being buried. But the opposite is really true. Submission is life, and submission is freedom. You look at it, submission is being bound, and Jesus is saying, no, no, no. You submit yourself, you come under my protection, and there's freedom in your life. You don't have to worry about the trials and the, the crisis going on around you because you are buried in Christ. Amen. Here's the last point for today. Number three, submission is elevation. Submission is elevation. I love this. John chapter 3, verse 30. John is speaking. And he says this, God must become greater and greater and I must become less and less. Really simple illustration. If you submit yourself, if you come under the authority of God, if you make yourself less and less, guess what? In your life, you are making God greater and greater. 
And if you are buried in Christ, the higher he goes. The higher we go, the higher you are going to go. Because submission is elevation. You've put your trust in someone who is greater than you. You've put your trust in someone who is greater than you. I was talking to my wife yesterday, and, and uh, we, we were talking about this. She gave a great illustration. She said, you know, whenever, whenever you, as a follower of Jesus, as a Christian, whenever you tithe your income, and I know a lot of people, they don't want to hear that, you know, churches are just out to get money. Well, no. This is a, a biblical concept. It's a biblical principle in the Word of God. God commands it of us just like he commands submission of us. And she, she was giving me this illustration. She said, whenever we give God our tithes, which is 10%, that's what tithes means. It means a tenth. Whenever we give God our tithes from, from the first of what our income is, whenever we give him what belongs to him at the very beginning, then what we are saying is this, God, I trust you that you will do more with 90% than I could have done with 100%. I am putting my trust, I am putting my faith in you. And that's what submission is, church. It's saying, God, listen, I'm going to do this. I've got bills to pay. I've got a family to feed. I've just bought a new house. I've got debt to pay off. We're saving up for this vacation. I'm trying to put money into retirement. I'm doing all of these things. And if we say, you know, I just don't have enough to give that 10%, we've picked up the scepter in our life. And we've said, God, I, you know, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you your money. Jesus, I'll give you your money whenever everything's kind of stable in my life. But the submissive heart says, God, I'll give it to you. Pick up this and just do what you've called me to do because I know that I don't have any worries whenever I submit to you because you can do more with 90% than I could do with 100%. That that is submission. Submission is elevation. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, and I'm going to close with this. Philippians 2, verse 5. It says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. The same one, the same attitude. Though Jesus was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to hold on to. To cling to. I want to say that again. Though Jesus was God, he didn't look at that equality with God as something to hold on to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave, someone say submission, and he was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself. Someone say submission. In other words, he came under obedience to God, and he died a criminal's death on a cross. I think a lot of people could look at whenever we talk about submission, how God commands us to have submission in our hearts, and we can look at that and think, you know, God is just a tyrant egotistical, he just wants to control and manipulate 
everything. I think that's where our minds can go sometimes whenever we think about and talk about the subject of submission. But I want to remind you, he didn't command us to do something that he himself didn't even do. Listen, church, the God of all creation humbled himself, became a human in the flesh. He denied his godly rights and abilities, that's what this is saying right here. So listen, whenever Jesus was on earth and he's going around and he's doing miracles and stuff, he wasn't doing it just because he's God. Sometimes I feel like we think he's got this cheat code, you know, it's a video game. Like, you know, he, you know, he was man, but he was also God. Like, we can't live up to Jesus' standard because Jesus was God. We, of course, he was God, fully God and fully man, but he laid down his godly, his divine privileges, and he took up the humble position of a slave. You know what that tells me? Anything he did, we can do too. Because he was led by the Spirit of God. There's so many verses of Scripture, and I'd like to share that with you one day, where he was led by the Spirit of God to do all of these things that he did. And guess what? The Holy Spirit has been poured out for us too. And if we live a submitted life to the Holy Spirit of God, then we aren't bound to just what earthly people say or think or, or can imagine for us, but we are limitless whenever it comes to the possibilities that we have in the body of Christ. Someone say amen to that. I love this. Verse 9. Therefore, because Jesus humbled himself, because he was submissive, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, every knee should submit, every heart submit in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is such an encouraging portion of Scripture. Jesus humbled himself. He submitted himself, and God elevated him. Can I give you some encouragement this morning? You don't have to depend on your own self to elevate yourself. You don't have to have the perfect job to elevate yourself. You don't have to have the family that's all put together and, and, and nice and looks good in all the pictures to be elevated. You don't have to have that position of authority or influence over the people around you in order to be elevated. What do you have to do? You have to become submissive. You have to make yourself lower, and then God will elevate you. And I love this, because one of the, my professors at school, Bible college, he always said this. Whenever people put you up on a pedestal, it will be the same people that will kick the pedestal out from under you. But if God puts you on a pedestal, it's a pedestal that no man can kick over. So if we're trusting in our own devices, if we're trusting in our own self to create and to elevate ourselves, then whenever we become elevated, you better be ready for a little bit of a fall because if a man-made pedestal happens, then a man can also knock it down. But if God elevates you, nobody can pull you down. Nobody can take you off. Nobody can kick it out from under you because it's God that is elevating you. Someone say amen. My goal as a pastor is always to be to share a biblical truth 
in a practical way. So this is what I want to encourage you to do this week. This is going to be fun. Are you all ready? This is going to be a lot of fun. Everyone's going to really enjoy this. You're going to come back next week and be like, Pastor Sam, that was so much fun. Thank you for that. Because I know that sometimes it's difficult to submit, especially when you got that boss that's not fair. Especially when you had that parent that hasn't always given you the benefit of the doubt. Or maybe you've got that teacher at school that's been particularly difficult in so many ways. Or maybe you've got a spouse that hasn't been the most encouraging spouse lately. The Bible says, wives, submit to your husbands. And then it goes on to talk to husbands. It says, in the same way, or in other words, the way that you submit is to love your wives like Christ loved the church. Wives, submit to your husbands. It also says, husbands, submit to your wives by loving them the way Christ loved the church. We should live a life of submission. And I know sometimes that it can be hard. So this is what I want you to do. This is the fun part. This week, I want you to speak well that person you're having difficulty submitting to. Speak well of them. In other words, go out of your way to tell someone else something good about that person that has been particularly difficult to submit to. Speak well of them. And whenever someone comes up and they say, I cannot believe our boss, blah, 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 blah. At that point, it's when you say, ah, wait just a second, wait just a second. I'm, I can't take part in this kind of type of talk. I'm thankful for my job. I'm thankful that God put me here. I'm thank, and just start to speak well of the organization. Start to speak well of your boss. Here's the second thing I want to encourage you to do. Work hard for them. Work hard for them. Students, if you've had a, a parent that's been a little bit difficult lately, work hard for them. Go home and clean the house. Make it look spotless. All the moms said amen. 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 Work hard for them. Go above and beyond what your, that's above my pay grade. I'm not doing that. <laughs> Come on, submit yourself. Get lower. Come on. So many people want to get up higher. You just need to get a little bit lower for a minute. Just lower. I love that there's a, a verse of scripture. Ah, let me find it real quick because it is just that good. I, I, can't, I can't go without it. Uh, Galatians. Can you pull it up for me back there if you have the time, brother? Galatians chapter 6. I love this. Galatians 6, verse 3. It says, If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. I'm reading from the NLT. I love the way it puts it. Galatians chapter 6, verse 3. If you think you are too important to help someone else, don't fool yourselves. You are not that important. I love that God just chose to throw that in there and just be like, hey, if you think you're so great, check yourself. Because you ain't that important. I love God's sense of humor. I love the way that he speaks to us. I wanted to encourage, I told you I was going to be fun. You're going to love it. But don't think you're too important to do something, to speak well, to work hard. And then here's the last thing I want to challenge you to do. Do everything is unto the Lord. Do everything is unto the Lord. Even when people are difficult. Be submissive to them as you would be if it was Jesus himself sitting in your boss's seat. 
sitting in your parents' recliner, wherever you happen to be. Jesus, we love you. God, we thank you for your word. And Lord, we thank you for the idea and the concept of submission, God, that it wasn't just a man-made idea, but it is a, a practice of the kingdom of God. And I pray, Lord, that we would learn to put the scepter down in our lives and to pick up the spade and learn to get down low and serve. Lord, that we wouldn't be afraid to get dirty in the kingdom of God, that we wouldn't be afraid to to love on those who aren't quite so lovely all the time. God, but that we would live a submissive life to you, first of all, but also to those around us. God, you have been so good, and I thank you that whenever we submit, God, that there is freedom in it, and that there's elevation in it. And I pray that you would encourage the heart of every believer in this place to live this out this week. In Jesus' name, someone say amen. 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 Just remember this week, a bit of encouragement. You are not that important. (laughs) Love you, church. Have a wonderful day. Remember, we will not have services here at Calvary Tabernacle tonight, and uh, we will keep everyone updated if anything changes here this next week. I love you. Go in the power of the Holy Spirit today. Don't live in fear, but live a celebration as we Christians should. In Jesus' name, amen.